We are back. We hope that you will continue to follow um, with us the the ongoing developments in Israel um, next week. There are numerous websites devoted to the story of Mordecai Vanunu. If you just pull them up on Google, I'm sure you'll find something um, something adequate. We would also refer you to Seymour Hersh's uh, book, The Samson Option. It's an old book. I think it's about a decade old at this point, but it really has a, a very excellent overview of, uh, of this whole story of Israel as a nuclear power. Seymour Hersh uh, is very well connected to the U.S. intelligence communities, and they like to leak things through him. So uh, you get some pretty good data. Of course, you know, inevitably at some point a little bit of spin mixed in, but for the most part, very good information. Uh, one thing I do want to note in passing, probably the, for me the single most fascinating part of that book, The Samson Option, was the confirmation of something I had suspected all along, which was that in the late 1970s, uh, when a U.S. satellite detected an atomic blast in the South Indian Ocean, there was quite a controversy afterwards. There was a very effective intelligence cover-up of, uh, of that uh, atomic blast. The satellite company steadfastly stood behind its findings. Of course, uh, picking up a nuclear blast is very important for satellites. If it, that happens anywhere in the world, you want to know about it. The only case I remember hearing about was this one, a nuclear blast detected by a satellite that set off a mystery of who done it. And I remember very well how this whole thing uh, unwound. Uh, various intelligence agencies raised the possibility that it had been uh, an error, that it had either been a flash of lightning or perhaps a micrometeorite strike of the satellite that had given it a false reading. The satellite company said, no way. We stand by our findings. The follow-up story, which came out a few weeks to months later, was that, well, we sent airplanes down to the South Indian uh, Ocean to, uh, to sample air in that area, and we didn't find any radioactive uh, tracers. We didn't find any evidence of an atomic blast. So they went back to the, well, what turned out to be a cover-up story, that a micrometeorite collision with the satellite was responsible for its reading. Now, to fast forward, when the apartheid regime ended in South Africa and uh, a peaceful transference was made to black majority rule, courtesy of F.W. de Klerk, a man who, uh, who does not get the credit he deserves, the South African government admitted, oh yes, we collaborated with the Israelis. That was our nuclear blast down there in the South Indian Ocean. Israel, of course, has had nothing to say about it then or since. What's most interesting for me is the fact that the United States government was playing ball with Israel and uh, willing to cover up what our own satellites had detected, a nuclear blast. And to talk a little more politics, uh, we would cite a Los Angeles Times article from April 1st, noting that since taking office, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger has declared dozens of public emergencies that allowed him to change state regulations. This has angered Democratic lawmakers and a California judge who, as we noted uh, previously in this program, said the governor had overstepped his authority on several important laws. Last November, Schwarzenegger issued an emergency order reducing the number of nurses required in hospitals. A Sacramento Superior Court judge overturned that order, saying the government's declaration of an emergency is arbitrary and capricious and entirely lacking in evidentiary support. 
Schwarzenegger is appealing that decision. The administration also reduced the number of nursing beds available for sick residents of veterans' homes. It imposed a $10 fee on businesses that hired down-on-their-luck employees in urban areas, and it altered the limits on catching rockfish and link cod, all on an emergency basis. Now, this is not something Governor Schwarzenegger has invented. Uh, Lawmakers acknowledge that former Governor Gray Davis frequently used emergency orders to change regulations without much complaint from them. In 2003, for example, Davis banned the importation of oysters from the Gulf of Mexico, citing deaths from a naturally occurring bacteria. But California lawmakers say Republican Schwarzenegger, unlike Democrat Davis, has made much more sweeping and significant changes to the law without public scrutiny. Since he became governor, agencies under the Schwarzenegger administration and departments under his control have declared 79 regulatory emergencies. Another 26 emergencies were extensions of emergency declarations issued by the Davis administration. An emergency regulation becomes fate accompli in as little as 10 days, bypassing the public comment period required for regular regulations. The emergency rules stay in force for four to six months, but many are renewed. The legislature is preparing to hold hearings on some of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's emergency regulations. Apparently an Oakland Democrat has said a lot of these things are basically power grabs, adding, I don't see how this fits into the definition of emergency. And I have to admit, I am, I am very curious as to know how limits on catching rockfish uh, have to be altered on an emergency basis. And we are in the future going to try and get someone from the California Nurses Association to come and talk to us about, uh, about their battle with the governor. And if someone from the governor's office will speak to us, we will uh, certainly be happy to talk to them too. And what just is a flabbergasting uh, story, we note that the Commission on the Intelligence Capabilities of the United States regarding weapons of mass destruction, a commission that uh, George W. Bush reluctantly set in motion some time ago, uh, concluded that the intelligence agencies were wrong in most pre-war assessments about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and know disturbingly little about current nuclear threats. It recommends dozens of organizational changes. Listening to Bernie Ward comment on this on uh, KGO last weekend, I was I was quite quite stunned with well what what a great job Bernie Ward was doing on this issue. One thing he did was read from um, the op-ed columnist Maureen Dowd from last Sunday. I'd like to do a minute or two of the same myself. Maureen Dowd. As necessity is the mother of invention, political pressure was the father of conveniently botched intelligence. Dick Cheney and the neocons at the Pentagon started with the conclusions they wanted, then massaged and manipulated the intelligence to back up their wishful thinking. Cheney lurked at the CIA in the summer of 2002, an intimidating presence for young analysts. Douglas Fyth set up the Office of Special Plans at the Pentagon as a shadow intelligence agency to manufacture propaganda bolstering the administration case. The Office of Special Plans turned to the con man Ahmed Chalabi to come up with the evidence they needed. The Iraqi National Congress obliged with information that has now been debunked as exaggerated or fabricated. One gem was the hard-drinking relative of a Chalabi aide, a secret source named Curveball, 
who claimed to verify the mobile weapons lab. Skipping ahead, it is laughable that the report offers its most scorching criticism of the CIA when the CIA was simply doing what the White House and Pentagon wanted. The Hawks don't want to learn any lessons here. If they had to do it again, they'd do it the same way. The imaginary weapons and Osama Link were just a marketing tool, a shiny distraction, something to keep the public from crying while they went to war for reasons unrelated to any nuclear threat. This is really an excellent op-ed column by Maureen Dowd, and I hope that uh, you'll read it in its entirety off the web, I hope. All right, we've only got about a minute left here, so let's see. A couple of items of follow-up. We talked about Hans Bethe, as we talked previously about Edward Teller on this program, about uh, nukes in World War II. And a German historian claimed in a uh, book released last month that the Nazis had successfully tested nuclear weapons in 1945. Rainier Karlsch said his research into Soviet archives in the former East Germany uncovered new evidence of success in the Nazi nuclear program. He said in the book Hitler's Bomb that in March 1945, an atomic weapon wiped out several hundred concentration camp inmates in Thuringen. The weapons were never used in battle because they still had detonation and other problems. Well, I really doubt this story. German scientists and historians are also skeptical of these claims, although several said that uh, the book had convinced them the Nazis did have a functioning nuclear reactor. You know, uh, we just can't get enough of New Scientist magazine. Uh, We really recommend it to you very highly for articles like the following. The real reason you lose weight on the Atkins diet. The high-protein Atkins diet, the magazine notes, works not for the reasons its inventor claimed, but simply because people eat less. Several studies have now shown that a high-protein, low-carbohydrate diet does result in weight loss. Dr. Robert Atkins invented this diet in the 1970s, claimed it works because digesting protein burns more energy than digesting carbohydrates, and also because calories are lost in urine through ketosis. But a series of unpublished studies, highlighted last year by BBC TV's Horizon program, suggest that neither of these reasons is correct, that instead people actually choose to eat fewer calories when deprived of carbohydrates. Further studies at Boston uh, at Temple University School of Medicine uh, tends to corroborate this. Gunther Bowden at Temple put 10 obese patients with adult-onset diabetes on low-carbohydrate diets for two weeks and um, kept them under constant observation. He found the volunteers reduced their intake by an average of 1,000 calories a day to around 2,100 calories a day, even though they were allowed to eat as much low-carbohydrate food as they wanted. Bowden says they dropped 1,000 calories because they didn't want to eat more. They love the diet. They love to eat bacon and eggs and sausages and that sort of thing. So for a lot of folks, a reasonably high-fat diet that includes a lot of protein apparently is very satisfying, and you more than balance it off by eating less carbohydrates. It's all about the numbers. Eric Westerman at Duke University said that the study helps to show why weight loss occurs but it's still not clear if the diet is effective in the long term or what the long-term health effects are. Anyway, that's it for the program. Our thanks go to Mordecai Venunu, and we wish him the best in his battle with the Israeli courts next week. 
You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. This program was produced, as are all of our programs, by Edward McMillan. We'll see you next Thursday at 5 o'clock. Stay tuned now for Todd. Barrow.